you join me this morning in the book of Mark, we'll continue our, our preaching through the book of Mark with the thought to be more like Jesus. He is the Lord's perfect servant, and that is how Mark is presenting our Lord, and uh, boy, but uh, be like him. That should be our goal. That should be our emphasis. And so I'd like for you to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 8. We welcome all of those you are joining us by way of live stream or radio, wherever you are. And uh, we're so glad you've chosen to be with us today. We come to a, another miracle of our Lord in uh, Mark chapter 8. The Bible says... In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can I, can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves. And gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Our Father today, please, there has just got to be a lesson, a message in this scripture for us all. And Lord, I pray as we dive into it, that maybe, Lord, we'd just be open to what you'd have for us today. We thank you that we have gathered. We have no fear of retribution or persecution. Thank you for the freedom and the liberty we have to meet, to read your word, to pray, to worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would please, I'd like to look at just a verse. And I want you to look with me, if you would please, in verse 4 of the text. And the disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? How in the world 
Are we going to feed this bunch of hungry Gentiles? 4,000 men. And Matthew says, besides women and children. The Bible says in verse 1, a multitude being very great. 4,000 were fed plus women and children. Now, I don't know, but if you've got 5,000 Gentile men or 4,000 Gentile men, more than likely there'll be 4,000 Gentile women somewhere around. That makes 8,000. Do you know how many young'uns? 8,000 Baptists can cultivate in just a little while. The multitude could have been as large as fifteen to 20,000. And you say, well... I don't blame these Gentile, these disciples uh, for wondering where in the world, in the wilderness, you're going to get all the food to feed such a throng, a great multitude. Well, you need to remember just one chapter ago, almost the same occurrence Only at that time, there were 5,000 men plus women and children. That time was to a Jewish congregation in Nazareth. That time, they had five loaves and two fishes. Oh, that time, it was to a Gentile throng I mean, a Jewish throng, a a Jewish uh, audience, but this time it's to a Gentile audience telling me that Jesus loves Jew and Gentile. Telling me that Jesus is trying to teach us a lesson. They're all precious in his sight, whether they're red, yellow, black, or white. And so what I believe may be We need to take a look at a verse of scripture in Matthew and look at, if you would please, at chapter 16 and verse 9. And I get my title for the text today from these verses. The question is asked, where shall we get enough groceries to feed this bunch? How in the world are we going to do it? I read for you Matthew 16 and verse 9. Do not, do you not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000. How many baskets ye took up? Just a few days ago. It hasn't been long. Maybe a matter of hours. Just one chapter. And our Lord has blessed and break five loaves, two fishes, and fed as many as 20,000 folks. 
Now we got 4,000. We got loaves. We got fishes. How in the world are we going to do? Don't our forgetter work real good? Come on now. Does not our forgetter work real good? My sermon title, remind us again, Lord. Remind us again, number one, who is Lord? Remind us again, Lord, where every good and perfect gift cometh from. Remind us, O Lord, where our life is embedded in the sovereignty and will and love of Almighty God. Remind us, O God, where the next breath might come from. Remind us, O God, who brought the sun up and who make it set. Remind us, O God, who gave us 24 hours of daylight, 24 hours of day to enjoy and to serve and to honor God. Don't we forget real quickly who really is in charge. Remind us. Remind us again. Lord. I ask you. If I could please. Does God have a plan? Or is everything just working haphazardly? As things go on and as days go by, is there a divine plan in place? Come on now, let me ask you that again, some of you. Just believe with all your heart, you're in charge. It is your day. You will decide what goes on in your life. Could I please ask you again, does God have a plan? Can I ask you please another question for your learning? How much does God need to provide a miracle in your life? I mean, just how much does God need? How much of our resources, our strength, our ability, how much does God need to work a miracle in your life? Have you ever heard this? Little is much. If God is in it, could I please throw a kicker into that? Little is much when God is in it, if that is all you have. God will not take the excess and perform a miracle in your life. 
God will not take a dollar that you put in the offering plate as you reserve thousands in your pocket and you're begging God to change and to do and to perform. Little is much if that's all you got. God is not the sovereign reserve bank in heaven. Little is much when God is in it, if that is all you got. It was five loaves and two fishes. When Andrew found the lad amongst the throng of folk, and our Lord sent him out and said, we need to see what our resources is. Don't try to do something without you know what your resources is. Don't go to a knife, don't go to a gunfight with a knife. Don't start whooping on somebody until you make sure you've got enough whoop to take care of the job. I'm not very smart, but I have learned that lesson several times. What? does God need in your life to perform a miracle to meet your need to do what needs to be done all he needs is all you have if I fall catch me would you That is your job. You're in charge. You're the catch man. (laughs) Are we ready? Listen to me. In Matthew 15 and verse 32 through 38, in speaking of the same, same miracle, our Lord calls them not a few fishes, but little fishes. Not a few, but a little. I suppose that probably means the same thing. Little, few, or puny. Not very much. And by the way, that's about all we got off the Lord anyhow. It's not very much. I mean, the best we can muster is not very much. As smart as we can get in the sight of God, it is not very much. Even if we have engineering degrees, it's not very much to he who created it all to begin with. So when we come to God, we come to God with a little bit, a small amount, a puny amount, and but with that puny little amount, God does a miracle. 
I am so glad. In 1 Samuel 15 and verse 17, it was Saul when Saul was little in his own eyes. When Saul was little, puny, small, insignificant in his own eyes, God raised him up to be the king of all of Israel. You see, I just believe with all my heart in 2 Kings 4 and 2, when she had nothing but a pot of oil, a little flask of oil, it was multiplied to uh, fill the vessels of all they could find in town to pay her debt off. She put her little puny amount in the hand of God and God multiplied it and provided for her need. What I am asking you today to do, and I believe what God is asking me to do, is to put my puny, little, insignificant life into his hand. And let him be in charge. And let him multiply and make for his honor and his glory. I believe there's a, I believe there's a lesson in the text. Please let me help you. I have just a minute now. I want you to notice as I read the text, I saw the need for spiritual food. Can I please show that to you, please? The need for spiritual food. In your Bible, in the book of Mark, chapter 1, look at chapter 8, look at verse 1. In there, in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, Multitudes, very great. Matthew chapter 14 describes it, or 15 describes it this way. Verse 30 of Matthew 15. And the great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, those that were blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. In Gentile country, they, they magnified, glorified the God of Israel. I don't know if you would be, I, I, would you just go with me to that revival meeting? Now, they're not worried about fish and bread. They're not worried about big D's or, or captain D's. They are worried. They are concerned about the bread of life. They're concerned about seeing God magnify himself. Can you imagine sitting there on a stump and you've known this guy for a hundred years and you know he cannot speak and you're sitting on a stump and he walks up and says, Hello, Gene. Say what? Hello, Gene. Did you just speak? Man, I never heard you speak in your life. You've been 
dumb. You've been unable to speak for 40 or 50 or 60 years. Uh, ain't that good? Uh, I, I just spent a little time with Jesus. The maim. The lame. Well, who's that doing that jig over our dancing like he having a good time? Oh, oh, that's the guy that couldn't walk. Oh, oh, what happened? Oh, he just spent a little time with Jesus. Now, don't you tell me they worried about fish and bread. Don't you even dare tell me they're more interested in meat than they are miracles. This is a different crowd. This is not the crowd over yonder where the 5,000 were fed. This is not a bunch of Jews that's trying to put on a religious show. These are folk like us. These are folks who are needy. These folks are hungry for God. These folks are wanting to see God. These folks are wanting to see God do something. They're hungry. They're hungry, not for bread. They're hungry, not for fish. They're hungry for God. They have a spiritual hunger. They don't come to church and dodge off someplace in a room while I'm preaching, drinking coffee, and telling jokes. They're hungry for God. They're not sitting in the vestibule looking at their, uh, looking at their iPad and doing their eye faces and me faces and your faces. No, they're looking for God. They're hungry spiritually. Oh dear God, what's happened to us? What has happened to us? We come to church not to see God, but to drink free coffee. Deacons and trustees ought to be in the house of God, being fed by the man of God, out of the word of God, not dodging someplace, acting like they're spiritual. I'm not talking about an hour service. I'm not about three days. Man, that'd clabber our milk. Come on, we'll just check out your spirituality now. Just check it out. You say you're going to make somebody mad. What's new? We don't front that, but I don't, I don't have to worry about you getting mad. Number one, you can't whip me. Number two, you can't fire me. So I guess you'll just have to lump it. I see in the text, Brother Jim, a hunger, a spiritual hunger that I do not see in our church. Oh, we need to beg God to give us our hunger back. Our hunger for his word. Our hunger for his will. To sit and bask in his love. His grace. His forgiveness. I see first of all. There's a spiritual hunger. Oh how we need that in America today. 
We're so used to playing church. We're so used to being in a habit of going. Now, habit can handle an hour sometimes. But a habit can't handle a three-day revival meeting. And see, that's without eating. Three days. They've been with me three days. And they've had nothing to eat. Man, I'd like to have a concession stand there that day. Come on now. Don't get mad at me. Because it won't do you a bit of good. It'll just make you feel bad and get you wrong with God. I see a physical hunger. Verse 2 and 3. Look now. I read for you Mark chapter 8 verse 2. Jesus said, I have compassion on the multitude because they've been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fast into their houses, they will faint by the way for divers of them came from far. They didn't drive, didn't catch a plane. Neither rode an animal or they walked a long way. Not to eat multiplied fishes and bread from the hand of the master. But to feast upon the ever living word of God. And to see God do something. Oh, I want to see God do something in your life. God wants to do something in every life in this place. God wants to show himself real to everybody here. Our problem, I guess, is we know the devil better than we do God. I see a physical hunger. The Bible says that Jesus had compassion. I'm glad he does. See, love concerns itself with the needs of those we love. Can I, may I say that again? Love concerns itself with the needs of those we love. If we love ourselves, guess who we're concerned with their needs? Talk to me now. If we love ourselves, We're more interested 
in taking care of our needs. Not Jesus. He saw the multitudes and love, compassion moved him to take care of the need. A hunger, a physical hunger. It looks to me like the disciples had a bad memory like many of us. God gets us through every kind of situation you can imagine, except the one we're in right now. See, this one is different than the 15,000 yesterday. Are you, are you listening to me? The disciples forgot that one and a half chapters ago, the same thing happened. And Jesus did the same thing again. Is there anybody here like me needs to be reminded every once in a while? Remind us, Lord, that you'll meet our spiritual food And you'll take care of our physical food. Is there a lesson that I can give you in five minutes and it'll be 12 o'clock straight up and down? Say, how do you know that? Because I got several people in the balcony waving at me and saying it's 11.55. Now listen, let me help you, please. Don't let me just spend this time and all the time of prayer and all the time of study. Don't let this go over your head. Number one, the lesson I won't, I got three. Number one, the first lesson I asked God yesterday, Lord, remind me that you want to use me. Remind us, O Lord, that when you fed the 5,000, we forgot. You said, do we have anything? Somebody needs to go through the throngs of folk and find out what we have. Well, Lord, there's just too many people to go ask. Lord, you don't understand, I, I got a job. Lord, I, I got a, I've, got, I, I've got responsibilities. I told them yesterday that I'd play second base on the worst softball team I ever played on. We ain't won a game, but Lord... I've got responsibilities. Lord said, if you want me to do anything to feed this crowd, I need help. The Lord said, I'll do what I can do after you've done what you can do. 
Don't ask God to fix your home if you're not willing to put some time into it. Uh, Don't ask God to fix a situation if you think you're 100% correct in it. You might be part of the problem. Uh, Don't, uh, hear God, listen to me. You need to listen to me now, God. You need to do this. You need, God said, no, I want you to go find out what you've got. And then I'm going to use what you've got to do what needs to be done. Now get up and get after it. Go find out what we got. And amongst the 4,000 and the men and the children and the women, they begin to look and they begin to look and they came back and said, Lord, we found a few loaves and a few little fishes. And Jesus said, if you tell me what are they among so many, I'm going to slap you with a holy slap. (laughs) Remember just a chapter and a half ago. Lesson, we need to learn, number one, that God wants to use us. First, you go find out what you got, bring it to me, and I'll show you what I got. Are you listening? Now, it's just going over your head. God wants to use you. 46 years ago, 22 men working for me in a tool and die shop, my die shop, and the banks. Mostly the banks. In fact, almost all of it, the banks. Just have the clear blue sky. I got saved. Then out of the clear blue sky, God called me to preach. How can I, a loser, ever have a ministry? And God said, you bring me what you got. And I will show you what I got. God uses the most unlikely to do the most unlikely. Allow God to use you where you are. Because God knows where you are. And God knows who you are. And God knows how much you have. All God wants you to do is use what you got. Bring it to him and then watch what he can do. I think that's a good lesson, don't you? God wants to use you. You say, preacher, I can't do anything. You can go to the hospital where somebody's sick or dying. Don't go to preach and don't go to sing. Just go to sit and let your presence be a testimony and a witness. Listen to me. God wants to use you. 
he used those disciples. You know, I just believe, and I'll always believe that God works through people. I love people. And I tell you, people are hard to love. You see, if you were one of my dogs, I could put a shocking collar on you. And a 25-foot leash. And when you got out there beyond five foot and thinking you were on your own with that 25-foot leash, I could just nug it and hit that shocking collar. And it would remind you, I think I'll come over there to where Gene is. But God don't have shocking collars on us. He gave us a free will and a choice. And I think this just reminds me. If the disciples had acted like some of us. He said, what do we have? We could have responded on who cares. Who cares what we got? First lesson, God wants to use this. Second lesson, can I give you this? I don't have time to talk about it, but the second lesson is, Lord, remind me of the lesson of supply and demand. What have we got? What can we do? With so little, and we need is so much. Jesus said, Remember, let me just remind you. Do you remember in verse 6, and he commanded the people to sit down on the ground? Do you remember doing that just a chapter and a half ago? And he took the seven loaves. And gave thanks. Now notice if you would please. I don't know what kind of loaves they are. Probably Mrs. Baird's. And I'll guarantee they wasn't wheat. And Jesus. Says he break. In the Greek. It means. He kept on breaking. Twelve loaves, few loaves, twelve disciples, set them all down. He break, gave the disciple, he went, he break, gave the disciple, break, gave the disciple, break, gave the break, break. And he just kept on breaking. They just kept on serving and they fed 20,000 folks. And before the disciples got back, he had seven baskets left that he had Broke. The demand did not dictate the supply. Whatever you've got when you put it in God's hands is multiplied. You got that? Little is much. When you place it in God's hands, if that's all you got. 
Oh, did you forget he took care of you last week? Oh, I know that's why you're worried today. Because did such a bad job last week. Well, he can't handle this problem. He handled that one a chapter and a half ago. It's just they forgot. We get so busy serving us and serving this world and doing our thing and going our way and paying our bills and saving our money. We forget all about it's not ours to begin with. It's all his. And we need to be reminded about this little deal about supply and demand. Well, I I don't have enough to pay my bills. Won't you give it to God then? He ain't got enough to go around and see if God can't make it to go farther. Well, what I'm doing is I'm just scrimping and I'm just barely making it and there ain't no way I can give to God. Hey, that's when you better give to God. You say, well, my health is going south and my family's going north. Well, why don't you turn them over to God and maybe get off some impels? And let God do something in your life. The lesson of supply and demand. I close with this. The lesson, are you ready, of the sufficiency of the Savior. Is he sufficient? Come on, talk to me now. Can he do, can he do all things? Can he supply all of our need? Oh, but Lord, how are we going to feed so many with so little? Oh, you guys don't remember the five loaves, two fishes, seven thousand. You don't remember that? I think the best thing we can do, I'm close, I'm done. Some of you look like I was done a long time ago. So I might as well help you get done. I saw a spiritual hunger. Dear God, please give our church a spiritual hunger. Especially our leaders. I see a physical hunger. And I'm glad God cares about us physically. And I must be reminded that God wants to use all of us. And I also need to be reminded of his sufficiency. He's sufficient to feed the hungry. He's sufficient to feel the hurting. He's sufficient to rescue the perishing. Because the songwriter said he cares for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Wherefore, he is able to save them 
able also to save them who come to God by him. For he ever liveth to make an intercession for us. Remind us, Lord, that you are sufficient. If you're here today and want to go to heaven, you can. Never asked a person in all these years if they wanted to go to hell and got a positive response. Except one man years ago at a pawn shop. And you might say, well, preacher, what were you doing in a pawn shop? I was pawning my golf clubs because my family didn't have anything to eat. And you say, well, this guy said to me, a black man about this high, barely could look over the counter. Preacher, if God takes care of you, why are you hawking your golf clubs? I wanted to just reach over and snatch him across the deal in Christian love and slap a little bit of respect in him, but I didn't. I said, well, sir, it looks like God's been good to me to give me the clubs. Amen. And after I've tried to use them, there's no use. <laughs> so I like to hawk my clubs because my son David is so hungry, snapping at the doorknobs. That's back when they took care of preachers. And he said, well, if God loves you so much, he ought to take care of you. I asked him, I said, sir, are you saved? He said, preacher, I'd rather die and go to hell as go to heaven with all you hypocrites. I've never, I've never been told that. That's always, that is not in soul winning 101. <laughs> I didn't, somebody forgot to tell me that in cemetery. When they say that, this is what you say next. I said, well, whatever made you come up with that, that, that response? He said, my wife is one of you Christians and she is a flat out hypocrite. I said, do you know my wife? That's not my wife now. I said, so you want to go to hell, do you? Now they said, I'd rather do that if they go to heaven with all you bunch of hypocrites. I said, if you've got a cigarette lighter, had a cigar this long. I didn't know which was smoking which. <laughs> and he said, yes, I do. I said, could I borrow your cigarette lighter, please? He said, sure. I got his secret lighters, one of them torches fly out like that. So I got that thing, wound it at full speed, grabbed his coat and started to set on fire. He said, aren't you afraid you'll get whooped? 
I'd already surveyed him. He's not that big. (laughs) And he slapped that ladder away and grabbed his coat. I said, you, sir, are a liar. You bragging about you want to go to hell. And you can't even stand in that jacket on fire. You, my friend, are a liar. Nobody in their right mind would choose to go to hell. When God has done so much to enable you to go to heaven. My Bible said, wherefore, Jesus Christ is able to save you to the uttermost. You who come to God by him. Why? Because he ever liveth. Ever liveth. Make an intercession for you to God the Father. Our Father, I pray today, please remind us. Remind us, O God, the sufficiency of the Savior. And Lord, I pray today that one that's closest to hell, as Dr. Oliver Brigade used to say, Dear God, save that sinner closest to hell. 